0: welcome back to the drop this is michael saramella and before we get started i need to note something that we stated incorrectly on last week's podcast So when we were talking about the ISA World Games, we mentioned that the El Salvador ones are coming up after the Surf Ranch event and that a lot of teams would be basically sending their best guys there because in that event, you could earn an extra spot for your country in the 2024 Olympics. It turns out that that's not true. And that extra spot can be earned in the 2024 ISA World Games, which are going to go down in Puerto Rico. So for the Brazilians or the Americans or anybody that wants to earn an extra spot for their country to open up a space for, say a kelly slater or in brazil's case any one of the eight guys who doesn't make the top two Um, basically they'll have to do that in 2024 in the puerto rico games so el salvador doesn't have an extra spot up for grabs now that that's out of the way buck is about to join me and we're going to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing so that includes a new episode of how surfers get paid an interview with joao chianca where you learn so much more about this guy we're also going to talk about a surf company that's been around forever that is pulling out of the apparel game, sad but true. We also have news on the stab edit of the year front. First of all, there's a new entry. And second of all, somebody just got a Bitcoin. And last but not least, we promised it last week, but Jessie Miley-Dyer, we sat down with her, we talked about the Challenger series, and we snuck a couple extra questions in there that we were dying to know. And of course, there's a surf sent So with that, let's drop in.
1: The president hasn't hugged anybody this week, which is unfortunate, but it's still a good week over here. Fun waves, nice weather, feels like springtime. It's pretty good.
0: Yeah, over here, the, um, the ex-president didn't get arrested, which was a surprise to some. So it's, it's a little bit different worlds that we're living in at the moment. The Costa Rica thing, can't that
1: guy just, like, get in on Bitcoin and have a surf event and everybody likes him again? Isn't that what the El Salvador guy
0: did? Oh, no. Is that why there's a CT there? Sorry. A little bit of, like, miscommunication, probably on my end. I was talking about the ex-U.S. president. Oh. Um, Yeah, Donald Trump was supposed to get arrested this week, supposedly, but then it didn't happen and and whatnot. But, yeah, I'm sure there's a a Costa Rican president who is also about to get arrested at some point.
1: Ah, okay yeah that's different well conan hayes clearly blocked that that's just uh clear as day so thanks for making that bit now we're good that's relevant to the podcast now thanks conan (laughs) how surfers get paid episode six the season finale how to lose a sponsor in 12 days i could probably get that number down to three um (laughs) i think actually it seems like we're getting a little bit away from cancel culture but i heard of people losing sponsors in like hours you know you fuck up on social media or something so 12 days is more the a full program but this is this is here by the time you hear this this episode is here and let's get it into your ears let's pull a little snippet a little taste for you guys
2: the tail end of the glory days would have to be Kolohe, John and Gabe. Italo's not even on that level. I think he's 600. You know, with a couple of title bonuses. I think he's a very good surfer, like a very, a good surfer, acrobatic surfer, but it doesn't relate with what I like to watch surfing as. Yeah. Well, this guy does here. I think that's on another level. I don't know, I wouldn't pay the guy cents. <laughs> Even Gabe, I think he's so good. I think he's so consistent. But for me, there's an element of style and surfing that needs to be there. Both those guys don't have it for me. we watch Day Dane all day long. Joel. I've watched Tom Curran all day. I'd watch John. The big calves and stuff, that's stuff that I can relate to. Gabe, I've never ever seen do one. Run my whole life on the forehand. So, proof's in the pudding. Alright, so,
1: it opens strongly, powerfully, um, with none other than Jordy Smith. One of The South Africans dominated this series between Jordy and Paul Nade. But, Jordy is talking about the value of surfers and he has some interesting <laughs> interesting claims on on who he would or would not pay um a cent to mikey what did you think of that what what do you think of geordie's estimation of um a surfer's marketing
0: value in this day and age well i love anybody just making a bold and largely unsubstantiated claim I think that that's just great for the world in general as you saw with our, our ex president uh now about to get arrested maybe going in it it's really interesting because it speaks to obviously I think Jordy would consider himself you know like a real core surfer and grew up like kind of watching the the sort of heroes of yesteryear the people who were like iconic and you know had a certain style and a certain approach and a certain way that they dressed and a certain way that they did everything in surfing you know and now we have a new crop and people from different countries that are popping up and they have different surfing styles they have different clothing styles everything is different and to jordy it's maybe like oh like you, you don't really fit into this box that i consider you know like elite but to the rest of the world it it may not look like that i think it's it's hard for people that are so close to something to really see the big picture there's this Mm. thing called the Dunning Kruger effect that it's people who don't know a lot about something, but think that they do. You could kind of like compare it to the last little crypto, uh, craze that happened you know in 2020 2021 and then obviously it all fucking shit the bed and whatever we'll talk more about that later but but i think there's actually oh yeah that's coming i think there's actually like an inverse effect as well as when you're so close to something that you actually it's really hard to to see anything outside of that like you're too close to it to really understand it and i think that that could be the case with with Geordie in a sense, because, you know, he's thinking about surfing in the way that he knows it in the, in the circles that he runs with and, you know, the people that he sees. But in reality, surfing is so many different things to so many different people from so many different countries. So for him to make a claim like that, like I, on one hand, I sort of get where he's coming from. But on the other hand, it's like, I think that there's obviously a huge market out there for someone like Italo.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you, though. I think like, you know, there's a saying about you can't see the forest for the trees, whereas if you are so close to something, you can't see the big picture. Um, and in terms of the Dunning-Kruger effect, I think I have the Dunning-Kruger effect on the Dunning-Kruger effect, whereas I know <laughs> a little bit about it, so I feel like I know it. And so, I, yeah, you had great points there. Um, and I do agree with you that it is, I think you, I couldn't really understand an argument as to why you would think Italo is worth um, a cent. <laughs> I know he's. it's hyperbole, it's funny, it's good to deliver information that way, but... Um, one thing that struck me was, so it opens at that, and then later on you see Parko, And Parko's peak of his career was happening when it was that golden era of surf contracts. And he's asked whether or not he thinks that he surfs better, if the surfing was better back then. And I feel like you can find some people from that, that generation that would just say yes you know there's like that purist argument of just like well yeah you know the boards were longer and like it's more drawn out it was just like more bigger waves blah 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 and he just flat out says no (laughs) he's like are you kidding me (laughs) no look at these people it's fucked up so I think Parco would uh, would pay Italo. I, I think if you know if he had invested in custom, which we learn about in this thing, and he had some budget, I think Italo would be wearing some uh, some nice shoes with K on them, doing some
0: airstrikes. to the point of best surfing I've ever seen. We're seeing a trend that surfing peaked in 2012. So I don't know. There's a debate to be had around this, mm. and we have talked about.
1: Kelly's World title, the year the world, or the or the what is the Mayan calendar that ended. So there is something there. We're not overlooking that completely. Yeah, and
0: and Joel too. Remember, Joel was the one who won that twenty twelve title. So I feel like there's a bit of a conspiracy going around somehow. There's something. Yeah, you're right. Thanks for opening that in.
1: Um anyway, go watch this thing. It's finally here. I think when you watch it, you will understand why we promised it a few weeks in a row and it didn't drop until now Uh, there's some very sensitive stuff in
0: there about surf parenting so yeah you'll get a lot out of this one go check it out and season finale as well so i know sam's been working really hard on season two we definitely don't have a release date for that it is coming eventually but yeah this is the last little dose of surfers and money that you'll be getting on stab premium for at least you know a few months
1: (laughs) joao shianka spent seven years on the qs without a sponsor um honestly i didn't know that the human body and mind and spirit were capable of that and and making it out alive i mean most you see people that have done seven years on the qs with a sponsor and they're weathered uh to go seven without the sponsor it's just incredible and i had no idea i guess I think because, my theory at least, is because his brother is so popular and you kind of heard, like I think he comes from like a big surf family in Brazil, you kind of heard of him, so it didn't feel like he came out of nowhere. But And for that reason, I guess I kind of just assumed that he always had decent backing, but Holden interviewed him and we pulled that out of it and it's just fucking incredible from 11 to 18 he went without
0: a sponsor and was just chasing the qs that's insane and then his trajectory since then has been insane so like the first time people really saw or heard of joel was during the sakurama event i think back in 2018 2019 when that right uh on the i guess it would be the south end of the beach. Was absolutely firing while they were running the comp in like backwashy, warbly lefts. And um, what's that wave called? Shoot, I forget. Barinha, maybe? I think it's Barinha. Um, anyway. Sounds right. Yeah, so Joao's getting like these crazy barrels. You got this one wave in particular where he got so tubed and then he like came out and then he pulled into another. St- he came out and claimed. And then he pulled into another section that was maybe even better and if he hadn't claimed he like arguably could have made the second section but i think that was just like a great way for him to enter surfing because it's obviously so exemplary of who he is so that happens that same year he wins his first qs in chile in one of those slabs down there which also makes a lot of sense he gets picked up by volcom that winter he goes to the north shore and goes absolutely, like, insane at piping off the wall, especially for somebody who's never really spent time there, and who's still pretty young, he was still a teenager. He got this one wave at Off the Wall that I'm sure if you saw it, you would remember it. It was this crazy double-up thing. Almost started off like that wave that Reef McIntosh got, and then Mm. it just, it actually hit a bit of foam, which was unfortunate, because it sort of slowed the wave down a little bit, and just made it a little bit less heavy than Reef's, but it was still, like, one of those off-the-wall waves that just blows up on Instagram. So that was sort of that. And then, you know, he does a couple years on the QS, Challenger Series. He's on tour, has a really interesting roller coaster ride of a rookie year, has some of the best performances of the year, but doesn't make the cut, of course. Goes back on the Challenger Series, requalifies. Now he's number two in the world. So a really fast ascension. Um, And somebody who admittedly, like when I first saw him surf, I was like, yeah, he's good, but his surfing's so like, sort of unrefined. I didn't really see it translating to the CT. And he's worked on his surfing a lot. He's certainly gotten a lot better. He still has that look to him. Like, he you just never know what he's going to do. And he seems to not even know what he's going to do. But it's, it's brilliant. And the judges love it. And it's really, really fun to watch. And I think he's really good for surfing. So, good on you, Joel.
1: I like that. I like not knowing, especially when it's, like, a moment. You know if you're, like, paddling back out and somebody's on a wave and they make just a radical turn like just try to do a full roundhouse like at you. Um it's good to not let anybody know your next move and I i hadn't heard his surfing described that way before, but I agree and I actually love that. I love not knowing. Not I love the idea of somebody
0: not knowing what they're gonna do, let alone you. So Billy Wilson um also had a really good description of Joel surfing in the compraps last week and it was something along the lines of he, he stated it in a much more profound way but that he's trying way too hard but in like the best way and, and it just, it comes out in so many different ways one in these like, you know, lines that he takes in the wave that are unusual and then obviously you see these claims that come out very often and we actually asked Joao about this
3: I noticed that like some heats I can do no claims and some heats I can do a lot of claims some heats I'm just like Emotional as fuck and <laughs> some hits I'm just not. Some hits I just really wanna make it. Them. I ju- just really got wanna go through them. I don't wanna play around, I don't wanna like I wanna sit on the guy if I have two scores already, I wanna finish the this thing. And there's some hits that I feel that like wow, like kinda wanna give a show. I all here like yeah, feeling like it. Like, even even if I lose, it would be fun giving a, a little bit of a show. So, let's say, like, soccer is one of, one of the biggest sports in the world. And, like, how people love when the guy claims the goal. So, well, people should love, like, us too, doing claims, like, and freaking bringing it on. All the emotion now.
0: Sometimes it's a little bit goofy, you know. You come out of that left in the in the final, and you throw up. Oh, the ten? Who's at a ten? <laughs> you could get some fucking eight, <laughs> and it's yeah, it's 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 funny, but it's it's great. Um, and the other great thing about. Uh, claiming that he said in the interview is actually a big part of my time with Sammy Pupo is us creating claims. I got to think of some for bells soon. So I just imagine them like fucking little kids sitting on their bed, like with a pad and paper, like, Oh, what if we did this?
1: (laughs) I know. I love that part too. Apparently they have matching Drake tattoos as well. That was something (laughs) that I learned. Um, And with the bell, it gives you, you'd have to think they're going to go some sort of ring, which I, I, I think has been done before. I have a vision of somebody in my head doing like a tug of a bell. So keep a close eye on their heats, him and Sammy at bells, especially him with all that emotional charge he'll have going into it after giving us one of the best seats of the year last year, and then getting told to fuck off tour. Mm. Um, I think he'll have some real, I think it'll be one of those things where he is emotional as heat or, or whatever. He so there'll be one of those days where there'll be a lot of energy and unpredictability and hopefully an incredible
0: bell claim. And speaking of bells, a former winner of this event was brought up in Joel's uh, answer to what did you do after you won Portugal? So he was like, Yeah, basically, we went and had a, you know, kind of like a bit of a party with the rest of the Brazilians. And he said, I'm really close with Iago, Gabriel, Felipe, and Caio. Also, Sammy is probably my best friend. I'm close to everyone except Italo. I really like Italo, but we're not super tight. And this is sort of a theme that we've noticed. And like, you know, I don't know if the Jordi thing was necessarily representative of that. I think that was probably more about his actual surfing. But there is this sense of separation from Italo and the rest of the Brazilians on tour and the rest of everyone on tour. But especially it's notable in the Brazilians because they are they do seem to be so close. And this is a really interesting topic and one that we're going to be covering kind of in depth and stab in the dark. Like, it's basically, it's Italo on Italo's end, it's, it's active, it's, a, it's something he's doing with purpose, and there's a specific reason behind it. Um, so some people may see it as standoffish or whatever, but in Italo's mind, it's being done for a specific reason. I'm sure he would love to be best friends with everyone, but at this point in his career, he says, that's not the best thing that I can do for myself and my family and my fans. So we're going to get into that really in-depth and in Stab in the Dark, and I'm kind of excited to show everybody what's going on in Italo's mind.
1: Wow. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm also excited for that. You know how when people hit that one point where they go, like, oh, I lost why I started surfing and all that? I think one day my prediction is that Italo will come to that point, and then him and Joao can make some cool bell claims together. That's my prediction. Globe pulls out of the apparel game. Oof. Are you a fan of the pull out method? Uh yeah, pull and pray it works. <laughs> um it is tried and trusted, it gets it done. But yeah, not the end of the world, but a bummer. I think you could build the argument that Globe has done more than I'm not gonna say any surf brand, but more than most surf brands in the past decade or two in terms of contributing to surf culture. Their films have just been some of the best in the biz. Um, Strange Rumbling, Secret Machine, Year Zero. My personal favorite was Somewhere, Anywhere, Everywhere. I'm not really sure why. I think it just hit me at a certain age. Um, but I still, I think I know every song on that soundtrack. Big Noodles fan? Big Noodles fan. Nathan Webster, Puerto Rico section. Yeah, come on.
0: Come on. Should have stayed home
1: and jerked off. Yeah, I think there's some Poncho solvent in there. Yeah, it's good stuff. But, I mean, somebody with more refined taste, probably, I would bet, would go closer to, I don't know, strange rumblings. Uh, Anyway, somewhere, anywhere, everywhere for me. So, Globe was founded in 1985, and like we said, they're not, it's just out of the apparel game, okay? No reason to fret, unless you're Dion or Taj, who were both sponsored head-to-toe from Globe. um, Or Sean Manners. Or Sean Manners, but there's... Kind of something else going on there, don't we know, Mikey? Don't we know? Long-term listeners, then they know. The long-term listeners know what's going on, Sean Manners. But anyway, the apparel game is over. Apparently, it has a lot to do with retail. They have always went hard on retail, which is they've relied on surf shops. Stocking their stuff, um, a lot of brands have switched, especially since COVID, to more of a direct-to-consumer model, which means they want you to go to their website and shop. Globe's never been huge on that; they've always been big on retail, and that game has apparently been getting harder and harder, especially in Australia, where a lot of the stores, a lot of the surf shops and their stockists, were increasingly owned by bigger brands. Um, obviously, if you're a Quicksilver or Billabong, or Rip Girl store. You're not going to put Globe stuff in there. That's just not what you do. You're going to have all your own stuff. So shoes are still around, and the team is still incredible. Noah Dean, Sean Manners, Creed McTaggart, Jai and Dakota Walters. Now Dean and Taj will still be on the shoes. But, yeah, it's it's about to here that they weren't selling enough T-shirts to warrant continued nose presence.
0: Well, they also – I mean – they also had this major shift a couple of years back, right, to like a more environmentally sustainable program, like kind of following the, you know, the Patagonia path, if you will. And while that can be very lucrative, like in the case of Patagonia, it also is much more cost prohibitive, like you have to spend a lot more to make these, you know, more ethically sourced, sustainable items. Um, and it just... It can't work for every company. If it did, if it did work for every company, every company would do it, I would imagine. So it's just, yeah, it's like a kind of a tight marketplace in that space. So I would imagine that that also had an impact on top of the way that sort of shopping has changed. So yeah, there's a few factors involved. And as we've seen, the markets are very volatile, so it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, as long as they keep making films, I think that's probably what most surfers Mm, care about.
1: mm yeah that the environmental stuff was great. I mean, I've always been a fan of even globe clothing like they make great shoes. I think everybody knows that, but it was always a brand that I was drawn to clothing wise as well. I really loved that sustainable play, which was low velocity and the vel the low velocity clothes even had a lifetime warranty on them so um probably not a great way to continue getting people to buy product is to guarantee it for life. but a cool play they've always been a great brand and yeah, I think they're going to continue to be a great brand on people's feet. Go buy some shoes. If you want more films, buy some shoes. End of, end of the day.
0: End of story. And we do know that they have a big film piece coming. It's been in the works for a really long time. But Sean Manners is getting his own Cult of Freedom part. And I don't know about you, but I am so freaking excited to see this. Sean, having been with him you know, in Stab High and then on to the Ken Dewey trip, just seeing his actual level of ability is it's so high and he's one of the guys that's the most like mellow, down to earth, like couldn't care less about how he surfs really, but he's so good at surfing, and obviously he's from WA, so he's surrounded by good waves and I just think it's gonna be spectacular.
1: Yeah, I mean I loved Creed's, I think the best so far out of those things. Creed's like just the music, the surfing, everything about it was just they got everything right. And I can't imagine Sean's will be anything but that, so Still more coming from Globe, but uh, no t-shirts for now. (laughs) Don't miss the last wave of the first 2023 Stab Edit of the Year entry. We've been teasing this. Jacob Wilcox's edit into Dust is here. I gotta say, he's a fan favorite. People are loving this on our site right now
0: i had someone text me just out of the blue and say this is going to be hard to beat this is the first entry of the year and it's only five minutes long and according to jacob it was filmed in 10 sessions so yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's insane and he was like he sent it to us and it was he was like hey like i might publish it so we're like whoa like we're doing the end of the year thing he's like oh, i think thinking it's like worth it for that and we're like uh have you seen yourself sir your (laughs) wave in here like he's like oh i just thought it was like throwaway clips it's like no (laughs) no it's not which is insane but i mean the the last wave of this is mentioned in the title but the first wave too it's just like how do you oh my god how do you maybe he just capitalized on those two things just figured hey if you start really strong and really strong everybody will just get a good first impression and leaving impression but Man, this thing is incredible. The last wave that's referenced is just a W.A. narlu crazy looking thing that uh, he just reads so, so, so well. It is just incredible surfing. And I feel like I've never been to that wave, but
0: it's a different beast it seems like. And he seems to have it so dialed. So, I mean, he said in the in the caption of the, of the starting image that he saw a photo of himself recently, and he was six months old, and he was up there with his family. And it was really cool to him reflect on that and be like, wow, I've been up there every season for 25 years. So, yeah, I would imagine just with that familiarity, you just get an insane amount of confidence, even at a wave of that sort of caliber and danger. And to see the way that he surfs it, so casual, like... I don't know. It's, it's pretty insane. and um, Also, but his performance surfing, too. Like He opens with that almost double. He does another almost double. And on that point, he's made a conscious decision to move away from WA so that he can go live in the Gold Coast and give himself the best possible chance at qualifying for the tour. Because um, he said, and I quote, I don't want to be that guy that's fucking sitting at the pub in 10 or 20 years and going, I could have done that. At least I'll know. And I think that's really cool. It's, like, weird to... I don't even want... It's going to sound, like, corny or like I'm being um, facetious, but it's, like, very brave of him to do that. Because how easy would it be to just hang out on the West Coast, you know, do your comps when they come. Hopefully you do well. If not, you're living in the best place in the world. And, yeah, then when you're 40 years old, you'd be like, yeah, you know, if I tried a little bit harder, I probably could have made the CT. And he's really putting his kind of ego on the line by saying like, no, I'm going to give this everything I got 110% and I'm going to really make a push because he's been so close twice now. And it's clear that he wants to be on tour. It's clear that his surfing level is there. So yeah, I think it's uh, due time that we see it happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, he missed it by three spots last year. There was, to be fair, there were some points separating him from that last slot, but Still, three slots is incredibly close, and we're actually about to talk about the Challenger Series next. You know, this is a Challenger Series podcast. We're coming to that. Um, but season opener on the Gold Coast. Hopefully, that works for him because it's just the type of surfing he's a special surfer, and it would be great to see him on tour. Anyway, let's see what happens. If look, I think we're gonna have a lot of these coming. It, it's hard to say whether or not this thing. How can we say? the likelihood of it winning when it's first entry. We don't know, but I do know that there's plenty more of these on the way. Um, in other edit of the year news, Kale Walsh finally got his Bitcoin, uh, which he won <laughs> with an edit published about a year ago and an announcement maybe three months ago. This Bitcoin finally made it to him and great timing. Okay, This thing in Australian dollars had been crept up to about 90K at one point, crept down to 20 it was creeping back up at 40,
0: and uh, Kale is now a crypto boy. He's a crypto overlord. Mikey, what do you think? I mean, to your point, great timing. I mean, I guess technically the value was always his, so whether it was at 100 when he got it or 20, it's it's still the same. But anyway, I, I think it's, it's a good time right now for crypto. You've been seeing all these banks collapse around the world, and that gives people fear, and it makes people think, huh, if only there was another way. Oh, wait, there is. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if this little run holds and sustains. It's actually been kind of theorized by a few big people in crypto, like some guy that is a major part of uh, Coinbase is making a million dollar bet that it's going to go. Or sorry, he's making a two million dollar bet that it's that Bitcoin's going to be at a million dollars in ninety days, which seems pretty far fetched to me. But I guess it just depends what continues to happen with all these banks and stuff. But if i'm a surfer right now i'm thinking yeah i need to start getting my fucking clips in order because this thing could be absolutely huge by the end of 2023 so get on it surfers
1: yeah go get your bitcoin bets in bet online ag uh bell's coming up jesse miley dyer on the new challenger series schedule and more mikey there's a lot more here you talked with Jesse, and you basically crept your little foot in the door with some Challenger Series stuff, and then just started asking her uh, all sorts of questions. You didn't have much time. I believe it was a 15-minute heat, beach start, um, top two waves advance. But what did you learn here? Tell us. Tell us how it went.
0: Well, to get the the sort of laundry out of the way, the Challenger Series this year has been announced. It's six events. It is literally the same exact tour as last year, minus Haliva. So all the events are the same. There's two in Australia, there's one in Portugal, there's one in South Africa, there's the US Open, and there's one in Sacarema. Top four scores are going to count from each surfer. And obviously, you have the top ten men and the top five women from the Challenger Series moving up to next year's CT. So one of the big changes this year, though, is that they cut down the fields. So the men went from 96 to 80, and the women went from 64 to 48. Now, you may be thinking, oh, man, that kind of sucks for the Challenger Series surfers, because now they have basically less—or opp- maybe the QS surfers, because they have less opportunity to qualify for the Challenger Series. But in reality, the WSL has actually made it a little bit easier for them because the spots that they took out of those events are for the existing CT surfers. Last year, there was a rule that CT surfers had to compete in two Challenger Series events throughout the year. And this caused a lot of controversy. We actually did some stories on this last year. We spoke with Kanoe Garashi about it. But basically, CT surfers coming down, surfing in CS events, knocking these guys out, maybe early in events when they could have gone further and gotten a result, etc. It was a point of contention. CS surfers didn't like it. CT surfers didn't like it largely because one, they didn't like doing that to people and two, it just meant two more events that they had to surf that had no bearing on their ranking. So that rule's been eliminated. So in order for a CT surfer to compete on the Challenger Series this year, they actually need to get a wild card. So basically we got a little breakdown of who these 80 men and 48 women will be. On the men's side, it's gonna be the 12 CT surfers that missed the meteor cut. Going to be the top ten surfers that didn't make the CT from last year's CS. So that would be like a Jacob Wilcox. Then there's going to be a certain number of surfers from each region based on the total number of participants in those regions. So like Australia, North America, South America, Europe have the most. Then Hawaii, Asia, Africa, etc. Have less. Um, So that's pretty much a breakdown of what's going on on the CS. However, as you said, I didn't want to, you know, the, the WSL, they'll often reach out to us and say, hey, we, you have an opportunity to speak with Jesse or Elo, um, blah, 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 about this and this, because they have news that they basically want to use media houses like us as a mouthpiece to share their news. And that's fine and good, because we get a benefit from that as well. We get to get the news early and, and drop it, you know, right when we can, and that's great. But I also... I feel like I need to give our readers a little bit more if we're going to basically, if the WCL is going to be using us to share their info, we need to also get something from that uh, exchange. So I wanted to ask Jesse about two things in particular. The first one was Liam O'Brien. Why is he not considered a rookie? And her response was simply, when we're looking at how someone's classified as a rookie, it's the year you come in. He was injured in the window for Pipe as well, so it wasn't a given that he'd be out for a full year. Obviously, he didn't get to compete in the CT that year, but for us, he'd qualified and shown up ready to compete, which is why we made the decision that he wasn't a rookie for 2023. And that seems like a very by-the-book answer. Um, Interestingly enough, it's not really by the book, because when you look up the definition of a rookie, it's somebody's first year competing at a certain level. And he didn't compete. So I pushed back on that a bit. And I was like, well, but like, yeah, it was basically like he didn't surf. Like, how is he a rookie or how is he not a rookie if he didn't surf last year? And she basically said that they're not looking to change it for this year. Maybe in the future they'd reconsider that rule. But for now, Liam O'Brien is fucked. Sorry.
1: Uh, You're a man of the people for going there, doing it for lob. Yeah, Doing it for
0: love, I had to. I had to. And it's still, yeah, some other people are outraged about this as well. So I'm glad I'm not alone. The other point is I wanted to know, we obviously did that story about Steph and Kelly last week and how they're currently below the cut line and what they need to do to requalify and what might potentially happen if they don't requalify. So there's a few options, and the cell holds a lot of power in this regard. They ultimately could just give them wild cards to all the events in the back half of the year, I believe. So I basically straight up asked Jesse, like, if they don't make the cut, are you guys going to give them wild cards to the back half of the year? And it was a lot of, well, you know, blah, 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 like, not really answering it straight. And she ultimately ended up saying, like, I couldn't answer that right now. It would just be conjecture. I'll know a lot more, obviously, as we get closer to that. Um, So then I basically gave her a hypothetical situation. Say Steph was to not make the cut, and you did give her wild cards into the back half of the season. Would she be able to—say she went on a run in those last five events, and she made it into the top five. Would she be allowed to compete in the WSL finals and go on to potentially win another world title? or no because she missed the cut so that makes her ineligible and Jesse said no she'd be eligible um based on the way that they have their wild card system set up and Steph's past performances she could 100% miss the midyear cut and go on to win the world title which i found interesting because it like it makes the midyear cut seem so dumb but then also it's like i yeah she should have a chance to defend her title she did well enough in the back half of the season she's also like i said defending her title it seems only right that she should be able to come back and try to do it again but i don't know it's a really interesting system that they have going on and i think even admittedly they'd say you know we're just figuring this out too you know we they know it's not a perfect system and they're actively trying to adapt it and evolve it to make the most sense but I guess right now it's um yeah it's a little bit of a strange new world for everyone.
1: I think that'd be incredible. I love that idea. I love the idea of missing the cut, winning the title. That's where that's what we need in two thousand twenty three. Just a wild event like that. I mean, can you? It'll imagine? be interesting.
0: People were already upset last year when Steph went from fifth to first because her point total was so low relative to Carissa. You know, imagine if she missed the cut and won the title. That would definitely have to make the WSL reconsider everything that they've got going on. I don't know. They'd have just like thousands of
1: comments on Instagram. So, you know, that's got to be worth something, right? Algorithms. Yeah, certainly. So let's talk a little bit. Let's transition and talk a little bit about what's coming up next. We heard that Owen Wright is officially going to retire. He's getting the wild card into Bells. It'll be his last CT competition. And with like this whole question with the Steph and Kelly thing, like, Cause that is something I probably put too much thought than is really necessary into it, but I just, something about it is so weird to think that some of the sports greats are not gonna have that like farewell tour. That it's just like it's gonna might just end at at in WA. Um, so I guess we'd have to just see more of this. Like if another if it, if this system sticks around for a while, I guess this would just become the standard, right? Like somebody just if you fall off mid year, you get like one last goodbye event. It just it doesn't feel right to me, but at the same time. It will be sick to see Owen right and now, especially that a year has passed, just seeing him again, and
0: I'm sure he'll have incredible things to say in interviews and all that. It is. Still- I wonder if Ace will get one, too, because that was a big thing this week, too, that um, Ace basically had his retirement dinner a year and a half after he obviously was kind of forced off tour in a way by the whole covid situation plus tahiti got canceled etc he was sort of in that class that just was like forgotten yeah <laughs> sadly after 17 years on tour so i don't know what event would make sense to put him into he's he's obviously not with hurley anymore i don't think hurley oh hurley did sponsor uh sunset but yeah so I, it seems unlikely that he'd get a wild card but maybe the WZL. maybe you know throw him a little bone in el salvador or brazil or something i don't know
1: that's like i feel like Social media used to work differently, but that was like, if this was 2015, the exact thing that would just rally thousands of people just to put Ace in a random contest, You, I don't know if that still works. (laughs) I don't know if weird surf Instagram activism still has the same punch that it used to, but that strikes me as a perfect cause. Maybe we could try to get it going because I do think he deserves that final event too. Anyway, what else is going on? We've got a story coming about Rio Wida inspired by a photo that we were sent from a stab fan of just Rio paddling out in victory at sea bells, just stormy, horrendous day. Nobody else around. He's just there three weeks early paddling out alone. Holy shit. He's on a different level. So we've got something there coming. Uh, next week we'll, we'll be dropping a can do we edit. You may be wondering what happened Ooh. with the stab highway, California winners and that trip to can Well, All your questions will be answered next week and we'll also have a piece exploring pro surfers who work side gigs to make the pro surf dream stay alive. So plenty on the site. Go get there. (laughs) And now it is time for a surf sin. This, I think, is a record for... This is like you do something bad and you just confess right away. He didn't even have time to marinate on this. It didn't look like. We got this video and he's just he's in his wetsuit wet still and he's confessing. It's uh, That's a first. That's a first and it, it raises questions in and of itself. So let's hear it and then we'll unpack.
0: Ah! Forgive me, Stab, for I have sinned. Um,
1: this one's pretty fresh, as you can tell. I'm still wearing my wetsuit. I feel pretty bad about it, though. Uh, today I walked up to the beach. There's two definite spots in front of me. And one was definitely better than the other uh, like significantly and I surfed the one that was worse because it has a surf line camera and I wanted to see my waves later Uh, and then rather than paddle the five ten minutes it takes to get to the other one I sat there and tried to convince
0: myself that I
1: made the right decision Uh, and it was it was never actually worth it. feeling pretty bad feeling like a sellout lay it on me
3: thanks
1: you can hear it's a, it's he's distraught it's a very dark time in his life and i'd have to believe that this this fear came creeping in like throughout the session as it progressed that like oh shit i've made a mistake oh shit this is a sin level mistake and it seemed to weigh on him so much that he didn't even have time to reflect. It's like he robbed a bank and ran straight to the to the police station or the church or whatever to confess.
0: Okay, but here's the question. Do you think he went back and watched the Surfline Rewinds before he recorded or after? He's dripping wet. I mean, I guess he had to get his phone out to
1: record the video, but my guess is that he knew he didn't get any good waves, any waves that he wanted to revisit. And so he went for that instead, but yeah, it, it's, this was a weird one. This was complex, but I I'm saying, I'm saying he didn't check the clips first. What about you?
0: Yeah. I, logically. I think that's probably right, but you never know, man, if he was that just like zealous to, to get amongst it and go surf that shitty little wave to get the clip. You, yeah. You can't put it past him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's a tough one. It's so unique that it's almost hard to assign a penance. But I do have some thoughts. I just want to say, like, I think Surfline Cam Rewind is a great feature. I use it sometimes, even though it's uh, at least at Super Tubos, it's like pretty cruel. It looks straight into the left, um, and I like to go left. So anytime you get a wave that you think is kind of good, you're just looking into it, and you don't really know what's going on. It looks smaller and not as deep as you think. So it's usually sad. You're like, that was so sick, and you look at it, you're like, fuck, that wasn't that cool. Um. And I feel like even with more performance surfing, not just a tube, you kind of get to see what you did, but it's not like detailed enough. Like maybe in the future it will be. And again, I already think it's incredible what they do, but it's never really that rewarding. I don't think I've never had an experience where I was like, got a surf line rewind that I treasured truly. Um, so I'm going to have them focus on that. And I think the only way to do that is to not go the performance route Go the nudity route. Um, he needs to... There's cams everywhere. Pull it off. Find a way to to get a wave naked on a cam. Um, please go frontside. Don't want to see your dong, but send it to us. That's your penance for me. Just get a naked wave on cam. Then you'll actually be proud of it.
0: I really like that, Buck. That's really good. Um, so you said that this is like a unique sin, but it's actually something that I can relate to because I surf on a beach down here that it's a really really big beach like it's maybe four miles and you can surf along the entire thing and you know there are certain spots that are usually a little bit better than others but by and large you can always surf by yourself if you want to you can surf with a group you can surf kind of a bigger part of the beach or a smaller part of the beach the choice is yours but there are one or two spots on this beach every day that you can pretty much always count on there being a guy with a camera down there and this of course means that there's like three times the amount of people out there than any other part of the beach. So it's always a decision that I have to make when I'm like driving past. It's do I want to go surf more waves by myself with no evidence or paddle out into a crowd to try to get a clip? And to me, it really goes back to remembering why we started surfing in the first place. And that, of course, is to convince people that we're significantly cooler and more talented than them. So you simply can't do that without video evidence on a large scale. Like, yeah, maybe a couple people on the beach would be like, oh, that guy's really good. But to really reach the masses, you need to have video evidence that you can then post on social media. Um, So I actually think that this guy is right on track and I think that he should keep doing it. But to offset it, every time that he has one of these Surfline Rewind sessions, he's got to do the favor, just basically pay it back. So he's got a, um, you know, not everybody really knows how to use these tools. So I think that and not everybody has a Surfline subscription either. So I think that when he's out there and he's having one of these Surfline sessions, he needs to chat with somebody in the lineup who he thinks is surfing well and get their email or get their Instagram handle or whatever. And he needs to go. And when he's finding his clips, he needs to also find their clips, download them and send them to this person so that he can really just share the stoke and they can both (laughs) become Instagram famous surfers.
2: (laughs) wow
1: that's really funny that's like (laughs) that would be such an awkward conversation to field like like, hey man that that way was really good can i send it to you and the guy what like you're out here with me how did you get it sir fine that's very creepy um i would recommend you don't combine our two penances sometimes you can but i think if you approach somebody in the nude and start asking to film them or document them in any way it's probably gonna end poorly for you so don't combine the two pick one
0: Thank you, as always, for listening to the drop. And if you have a surf sin, first of all, remember videos go first. That was a great video that this guy just sent in. We got to see him all soaking wet. And soon we'll be dropping them on Instagram. I promise we have a plan, kind of. Uh, you can send them to michael at stabbank.com or bucketstabbank.com, and we will be happy to deliver your penances. So it's been a great week in surfing. Another great week to come. And with that, over and out.